Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor with Dr. Douglas Peak. I'm Jesse, your host, and today we will be digging into the final chapters on the life of Joseph. Mm-hmm. It's really amazing to me how these ancient stories from 4,000 years ago make an impact on us today. Yep. Thank you for doing all this work to connect all the dots <laughs> for us, because I mean... I enjoy we, it. I mean... You know, reading the Bible on your own, sometimes you don't make these points. Like, you have to have been spending your time in the Word and having knowledge like yours to really make these points mm-hmm. sometimes. And so, uh, that's we really appreciate you doing that for us. Well, thank you. I enjoy it. Um, a quick note before we jump any further. Every week we ask you for you guys to leave reviews and things on your podcasting app. Um, in doing some research, because we had some Android users saying, Hey, where do I do this? We're really loving this. Um, Android, unfortunately, does not offer the option of doing ratings or reviews, and neither does Spotify. So if you're on Apple devices, leave us a a rating or review. Or if you're uh, a lot of people have been watching on the YouTube channel, um, if you're doing that, leave a comment in the comment section and uh, a like on the on the video a thumbs up a yeah. thumbs up and mm-hmm. that that will help as well so yeah um aggregately around that we'll start pushing it out everywhere so yeah and you can subscribe to the youtube channel absolutely and uh when you have friends that you recommend if they subscribe uh as our subscriptions go up the algorithm is more favorable to our church and what we're trying to get out and it right. makes searching so much easier so if you have uh, a subscription, subscribe. Uh, if your friends do, if your kids even have a YouTube one, mm-hmm. what better thing to have in their feed than Pastor Doug preaching the good word to <laughs> the them? Salty so, pastor. The salty pastor. So let's jump in how to, to the original family or the OGs uh, ended up moving to Egypt. What are some of the main themes that these last chapters uh, reveal to us? Well, we're uh, in the chapters 43, 44, and 45. And what it basically does is it covers how the family in Canaan, the ten brothers, take uh, their youngest brother, Benjamin, and go back because they ran out of grain. And then how events unfurl in a really unique way. And then ultimately, the entire family ends up being invited by Pharaoh to move Mm. to Egypt. And so this is how the entire family gets there. And there's a little FYI here that I want everybody to realize as we study this passage of Scripture is that the book of Genesis uh, is about creation and how the family originally started. Then you got Exodus. Uh, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. These are five books. In Jewish tradition, they call it the Pentateuch, the five teachings. They were all written by Moses. And these books were written by Moses during the Exodus. So Moses is the person that led the people out of Egyptian captivity. And a lot of their history of how they got to Egypt away from the promised land is in the story of Joseph and so it was an oral tradition and what Moses is doing is he's recording all of these uh, stories and events and teachings that have been passed on orally over four generations or 400 years while they were in Egypt and so he might be clearing up the record a little bit setting a few Uh, myths straight. Uh, So that's why he's doing it. And we also know that God's Holy Spirit is inspiring him to write what he wrote. 
And so these things come together. And this oral history that is being written down explained not only to them the current state of the nation of Israel as they were leaving Egypt as a great nation. They go from a family, basically, with 12 sons or 12 tribes, plus Leviticus, the 13th tribe, is that into a nation of, of probably 4 million people. Right. So it's a family that grows massive in Egypt. Uh, there is a continuation in these final chapters of the messianic theme. He changes away from redemption now to repentance. And so we start to see the second aspect of the redemptive process working out. Uh, last week we talked about how in, in chapter 42 it was about oh god's will is redemption you know overall now the process of redemption is worked out in repentance it's not just an awareness of your wound and your sin now you go through a process of redemption we're going to dig into that there's a theme of god's sovereignty and free will and this is the one that throws so many people for a loop and that is how can god be completely sovereign and in control And how can we as human beings have free will? And so we see that dynamic play out and how redemption works through that process. So uh, there's a lot going on. And in these last three chapters of this section of Joseph's story. And so we're hopefully going to be able to recap all of this and bring it to a conclusion this week on The Salty Pastor. All right. Well, let's do a brief overview of these three chapters and find out how the brothers end up back in Egypt with Joseph. Mm -hmm. We see the family run out of grain again and decide to finally return to Egypt with Benjamin, Mm -hmm. the youngest, and the full brother of Joseph. And I noticed something interesting in the verses 15 and 16. Um, It says, So the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. So what's going on here? Well, first of all, the sons uh, convince Dad, Look, we have to go back to buy grain. We can't go without Benjamin. And so Jacob then relents. There is a tremendous amount of detail in chapter 43 about this meal in the dialogue and it's like why in the world is the author moses so detailed about all of this dialogue well i think it has a lot to do with the oral tradition that he is trying to clear up and show and you have to think about their perspective they are leaving egypt after slavery and they've been crying out to god to be delivered from the oppression of the egyptians and now this, they, is Moses. this is Moses. Moses and the people. In the right. people, right? And so you got to realize some people, and during the initial uh, leaving of Egypt, the initial exodus, the people left God. They made a golden calf and they fell down and worship it. And people are like, well, what? This just seems crazy. Are these people that fickle? And I, I said, well, let's put ourselves in their shoes for just a moment. And that is, well, if God's delivering us, why did God put us in this mess in the first place? So it's this discussion of, well, is, you know, the sovereignty of God, why did we end up here? And I think what it does is it points away from the traditional understandings of how God's will works. And most people see it very binary or you got one of two options. And that is, is that 
God is sovereign and he controls every single thing, every step, every decision, every outcome, because he's in control. Right. So you have that option. Right. Then you have the other option. And that is, is that, well, God loves you, but he's really not in control. And we affect the outcome of everything because we have free will. And just so that you know, this has been a 2000 year debate within Christianity. <laughs> it's like it's still going on. It's still going on today. And you have various positions. But this kind of is trying to resolve this conflict, because in essence, what he's saying by recording this detail, he's saying, well, you know, God didn't cause us to get there. Uh, it was the evil of the family, you know, the dysfunction of the family. However, God was able to, to redeem it towards good. And so in a sense, God is sovereign, is in ultimately control, but we have free will that continues to make decisions and propagates evil. Right. And so that, that's kind of a weird paradox. A lot of people struggle with working it out. So everything revolves, though, in chapter 43 around this meal together in this discussion that's going on. And the reason why it's so important is because during the Exodus, the Egyptians had a tremendous antipathy, a hatred of the Hebrews, right? And that's why they enslaved them. And so he kind of shows you the origins of where this comes from. And it comes from the fact that the Egyptians would never eat with other ethnic groups. They just wouldn't do it. And it was uh, an anathema. It was an insult. It was for, we don't know why, but from their perspective, there's no way in heaven they would ever eat with any other ethnic group. And that included the Hebrews, right? right? Or the Israelites. So they just wouldn't do it because they're a different group. And yet here's Joseph. I mean, what a shocking thing. He says, come and eat with us. Now, do the sons know this, that the Egyptians would never break bread with them? Yeah. So their immediate response is, we're being taken, it's a trap to be taken and enslaved. Okay. I mean, we're going to be made slaves. And so when they actually prepare a meal and feed them later on in the ensuing chapters, we realize that later on that Joseph, when he reveals himself, he cries out so loud that Pharaoh hears him, hmm. which is an interesting thing, because what that tells you is if you understand um, the ancient archaeology of Egypt is that there was a palace. And so all of the lead people you know, all of the rulers, uh, Potiphar was probably, his, his house was attached to Pharaoh's house and Joseph's house was attached to Pharaoh's house and even closer. It's interesting because when David was built, King David was building his palaces of Solomon, it was the same way. You see, mm -hmm. is that your uh, position in the society was uh, exemplified by how close, close your house was to, yeah. To that the palace sense. or to the king's yeah. palace. So that's going on. So, they're, so it, they're not just asking them to go to Joseph's house like, hey, come out to the suburbs, you know, and we're going to hang out. and eat. Have a barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, you're coming to the capital, right? And here is the, the, in the, that's Pharaoh's part and this is my part. And so they're like, okay, we're going to be enslaved because we're being asked to do something that no Makes Egyptian no, yeah. in his right mind would ever do. And so what's interesting is, uh, during the meal, they are eating with Joseph and Joseph constantly asks about their father. And this kind of shows us how the father son relationship has a long lasting impact 
on us as men right. and girls and women in particular. And what's interesting is Joseph is overcome with emotion when he sees Benjamin. Benjamin is actually there. He, he just can't. And the reason why is because you know, Benjamin was his full brother. Everybody else was a half-brother, meaning they had a different mom. But Benjamin was his full brother, so they were really they were tight. tight. Yeah. yeah. And so he's overcome uh, but with emotion. The other thing that happens is this. Is, as I said earlier, they were thinking it's a trap to be enslaved. The brothers came expecting to be servants, but they ended up being served. Hmm. See, they came in thinking, I will be a servant. They end up being served. I can't think of a better illustration of what it means to come to salvation in Christ is you come in with full repentance and uh, and brokenness over your own sins. Right. Right. And so you and Jesus paid the price and you're like, I'm just glad to be a slave in your kingdom. Right. And it ends up as a you're not coming into my house to be served or to be a servant, but to be served. Wow. And what what a juxtaposition. Well, and it seems like, like you said, God's constantly doing things like that, where he's, he's um, almost kind of juking us out at the last moment of what you would think. You know, it's, he puts all, you know, the culture put all this emphasis on the firstborn, and he's like, nah, I'm not interested yeah, in that. Yeah. And so um, he's subverting all of these different things that you yeah. think constantly. Um, and, and this points to the notion that that's why it's so important to read the scriptures and study the scriptures, because our human penchant is to put God in our preconceived notion of who God is. And that's why I like doing the Salty Pastor, because it really allows us to dig deeper and uncover these things without going in the direction of what the neo-Marxists and the postmodern and the uh, the neo-Gnostics are doing today. Cultural influences making us think we know what we're doing. Because what's happening is they're putting God in a box, you know, and atheists, you know, just deny God. And so you have all the it's really fascinating the more we dig into it. So there's a lot of things happening in chapter 40 that start to show all of these things and how Joseph is managing the cultural differences between Egypt and the Hebrews in order to save his family. So I think one of the things that Moses is trying to communicate to the Israelites during the Exodus is that, look, Joseph was trying to make the best of a really bad situation. So blaming God for how we ended up there, uh, it, it would be better if you changed your framework, all right, and saw how God redeemed the poor decisions of a lot of people in the midst even of a famine. Right. So chapter 43 wraps up. We jump to chapter 44, and it seems Joseph is acting weird again. Um, it seems to be a theme with him, but, I mean, he went through a lot of trauma. We can't be that angry at him. Um, and I'm not entirely sure why he's doing this, but in verses 1 through 5, um, it says, Now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house. Fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry. Put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain. And he did as Joseph said. As morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Go after those men at once. And when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup of my master's drink from? And also use 
for divination. This is a wicked thing you have done. What in the world is Joseph doing? He's like getting revenge on his brothers. He's like, oh, I'm going to prank them so good. Well, we're starting to see the, these recurring themes, and and that is that uh, I believe Joseph is looking for something. Okay, he's looking for something. And so he enacts a plan to accuse his brothers. And I think it's a plan to see their response. And then when you get down, you read verses 1 through 5, and that is after the meal, Joseph loads them up, gives them all their money back, fills them with grain, sends them on their way, and then, but then he puts a silver cup in Benjamin. Okay? And he uses Benjamin because Benjamin is the most vulnerable and the most valuable in this equation right. with the family. The, right? the father even said so. Yeah. He was like, I'm not sending my youngest. I won't do it. And yeah. it basically took them starving to death for him to finally yeah. agree to this whole plan exactly so he uses benjamin which of course is joseph has no intent to hurt benjamin because we just saw in the last chapter he was how elated he was he was overcome with emotion so in verses 14 through 17 in uh, this chapter you start to see the theme of who bears the guilt of the sin uh, in this situation okay so evil was done when they when they grabbed Joseph and they beat him and threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery, this was an evil act against another human being. Now the question becomes in, in the overarch of what is actual justice is who bears the guilt. And so what happened is Joseph says, I'm not going to hold all of you because they say we will enslave ourselves, send the send Benjamin back. And then he says, I can't hold you all guilty for the crime of one person, just Benjamin. And what's really interesting is the founding fathers of the United States of America understood this. And this is one of the foundational principles that, of course, is never talked about. It's never taught in school of our judicial system. And that is you cannot hold someone else guilty for the crime that another individual committed committed. see and we'll talk about this on thursday is you cannot hold an entire family or group of people guilty for the sins of one individual Mm -hmm. that's not justice that's injustice so in verses 18 through 34 This is something that's really important. This is what Joseph is looking for, and Judah responds. Now, it's really interesting that Moses records Judah as the one speaking on behalf of the family, okay? And if you remember back in chapter 37, verses 26 and 27. That was a lot of chapters ago, Pastor. A lot of chapters ago. (laughs) Do you remember all the brothers? It's, It's really interesting because they quote the brothers when they see Joseph coming to find them. It says, let's grab him and kill him and get rid of him once and for all. Moses doesn't attribute that quote to any of the brothers in particular. It just says, the The brothers brothers said, and generally. Then what happens is Reuben says, let's not kill him. Let's throw him into a pit. And then Judah comes back, okay, when Reuben is gone, and says, you know, there's no value in killing our brother and having his blood, that injust act, on our hands. Let's sell him. So it was, and then when Moses records that quote, he attributes it specifically to Judah. So Judah then basically gives the idea that saves his life 
And now Judah is the one who speaks on behalf of all the brothers in the sin that they committed. It's really basically a, a, a rhetorical response or what he's doing is he's pleading with Joseph, who he feels he doesn't know who Joseph is at this time, the Egyptian ruler. He says, look, uh, um, this is what really happened. And he really recounts how, and he alludes to the fact, this whole mess is our fault because we sinned against our brother. And so now it's not just a full confession, right? And now he, they're pleading and say, let us pay the price so that our father not die from grief. Okay, so this is what Joseph is really looking for. And I think the reason he did what he did is because the first step in the messianic process, the first step of how God redeems us is we saw last week. And that is we come to a knowledge of the fact that our sins have an impact right. on us and on others as well. And so we have to come to the, the point of realization where we need to give an account for what we have done, regardless of what other people have done against us. So we have to move out of blame into responsibility for our own personal sin. And so they admitted that in the last chapter. But admittance and confession is not just enough. I mean, just admittance isn't enough, all right? The next one is confession, and we see confession happening here. And then the next step is repentance. And repentance is what Judah communicates to Joseph. And so at this moment is where Joseph really starts to kind of become undone, so to speak. Right. You know? Um, so, I mean, things are starting to make a little more sense. Now that we're seeing this exciting moment where Joseph's finally going to tell his brothers what's going on, in chapter 45, verse 1 through 3, it says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants, and he cried out. Have everyone leave my presence, he screams. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And then he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and the Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were un not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. <laughs> so, he so he just kind of goes mad, raving <laughs> mad, and is like, it's me, Joseph. And the brothers are like, I don't know what's going on. What's going on? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it goes on to say that, you know, he then, verse 6, he calls them closer, and he says, look, touch me. They get closer to him. And what happens is Joseph reveals himself, and the reason why is because he can't help himself. You know, his heart is just bursting. And what he's seeing is what we talked about before is, is the process of redemption is taking place right here in a real life story in a real way. It's not simple math. It's not a, you know, it's not a religious rite with symbolism in it. I mean, it's just real life stuff. And we're seeing how redemption works. And that is the brothers admitted uh, look, this is happening to us because we sinned against our brother. So there's admittance, right? Then the next step is confession. You know, Judah confesses to that. Then number three, there's repentance. So they're going through these steps and then Joseph can't contain himself. And he says, look, God was working in ways that we don't understand. 
even in when we were angry and hateful and doing evil things in the eyes of God, we were acting the opposite of justice. We were, we were doing acts of injustice, off the charts injustice. And verse 4, he says, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Listen to verse 5. And now... Do not be distressed. So now this is removing of the burden of guilt that came from admittance, confession, and repentance. He's removing the burden. Do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves. In other words, that's another way of saying don't feel guilty anymore for selling me here. Now you notice how he doesn't say for giving me a one-way ticket. He, he says, you sold me, so he doesn't deny the truth. He, and then this is really a powerful statement. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. So what you see is Joseph is telling them, he's, he's giving them absolution in that moment by seeing, saying what you intended for evil and injustice, God redeemed for salvation in ways that we could have never imagined. In verse 8, so then he goes on, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he made me, and I love the way, this phrase, he made me father to Pharaoh. That is a strong statement. Yeah, isn't that interesting? He made me father to Pharaoh. So he is the father to the Egyptians. He's caring for them. He's taking care of them. He says, I am now Lord of his entire household, and I am ruler of all of Egypt. So it just really we see the culmination of this story and the way the evil is redeemed is through the process of redemption. And so we see this messianic theme really coming out very early on in the Old Testament. Absolutely. So what are some final principles that will resonate us with us about these final chapters? Like, what should we be looking at? Well, I think that the best way to combat any evil and its effect in your own life, in the lives of the people around you, is repentance. Repentance is something that the modern-day church in America... Now, you go to China, you go to Africa, you can go to South America, and they talk about repentance all the time. But in America... We rarely talk about repentance, but repentance is the key. It is the key to a redeemed relationship with God. It is key to experiencing the full redemption of Christ in your life, the full healing, the full restoration, and the full capacity to walk in the newness and abundance of life is all about repentance. And I think the reason why repentance isn't talked a lot about uh, in America today is because Americans have swallowed the pill of pride you know we want to say that there's nothing wrong with me or what i do or what i do it's not my fault and that is a philosophical framework that has been propagated on us and we'll talk about more of that on thursday of why that is but the takeaway today is repentance and i would just encourage you uh, to follow and seek repentance in its purest form what is it how does it work and you will see your relationship with god go to places you never imagined if your faith is stale or you lack passion in your relationship with jesus 
Seek repentance, seek restoration, and you will find a wellspring that wells up within your soul and spills out and influences everything around you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for that, Pastor. Um, I've really enjoyed us studying Joseph. We don't go to the Old Testament a lot these (laughs) days, just in general, as far as the big C church. The Old Testament's not really a focus, but I think there's a lot we can learn back in those um, old stories because they inform a lot of what we're doing today. So, they do. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us. Join us again on Thursday. We'll, we'll deep dive into some more current event things and how these chapters apply to um, things that we're going through now. Uh, as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, Lee, if you're on an Apple device, um, <laughs> leave a five-star review. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, um, go ahead and leave a like. And a comment. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of comments on our YouTube. Um, we might even read some on the on Thursday. But overall, we just enjoy you guys being here with us, and we'll see you on Thursday.